Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast by Rise Pole Vault. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Rise Pole Vault. We've been getting question after question about training in the off season, so we have put together a comprehensive online training program that will take you from fall training to indoor season to outdoor season and through the summer. The training covers weightlifting, sprinting, plyometrics, vault workouts, and more, all with explanations and videos for each drill and exercise. Be sure to check out our training plan and all the other things that our Patreon will be offering starting October 1st. Today we have Trevor Stevenson on the podcast. Trevor is actually a new hire at Rise. He is a new employee, but also a, an elite pole vaulter that is pursuing his post-collegiate pole vaulting career. And I'm going to help guide him along with my brother, Luke, um, to try and become the best they can be. Um, before we start today's episode, I just wanted to apologize for the delay in a new podcast being released. The reason for that delay is that we're working on a bunch of cool stuff. So in the end, it's going to be a benefit for all the podcast listeners. We think that everything has to grow and has to evolve. And we're really looking into kind of the next steps that we could take to make this podcast and what we're doing at Rise Pole Vault uh, even better than ever. And that takes time. So anyway... Also, I really like to have podcasts done in person and being able to sit across the table from Trevor and talk with him and, and kind of just feel the energy off of him. It just really spurs the conversation. The video that we get to produce afterwards is so much better. The audio is so much better. Everything is so much better. And I'm a little bit of a control freak and um, I just like things to look nice and, and sound nice. So anyway, Trevor is a Big Ten champion. Uh, he won the Big Ten championship last year outdoors. He jumped 572 this last year. And man, he's got a really, really bright future ahead of him. Really nice person. And we've been loving having him around at Rise. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Trevor Stevenson. Trevor Stevenson, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? This has the potential to be really good and also just like kind of strange because we already know each other. Yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, for people who don't know, you've been, we hired you at Rise to come be a coach, but then also to pursue your post-collegiate pole vault career. Mm -hmm. And if I adjust this in the middle, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I just am kind of <laughs> anal about how my my mic stands working. Um, but yeah, so you're, you're coming and you're training here and I'm going to be working with you as a coach and you're working with the athletes at rise and you're also our events director. So you're like in charge of all of the events that we're going to eventually do, um, at rise. We've got a big one coming up. Um, the Essex, uh, dealer summit that you've been working on, which yes. is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, Probably the best place to start is just a little introduction on kind of who you are, where you're from, um, you know, your pole vault background, kind of stuff like that. 
Yeah, so I I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I went to East Kentwood High School. Um, started pole vaulting my freshman year of high school. Um, I started track in middle school because my mom was my mom is the head coach of my high school track team, and so I was always kind of like in the track world. But I never got in. Really, they couldn't. You couldn't do track until seventh grade in middle school. So that's when I started, and I started with like I was just bouncing around trying to figure out what I liked. And so I was doing like, I did the 400, I did high jump, I did the mile and the hundred, like I was just doing everything. Right. And I wasn't good at any of it. (laughs) And I, so I did that for seventh and eighth grade where I was just bouncing around and I really liked high jump in middle school because we don't have pole vault. What'd you jump? (laughs) I think my- Four foot. (laughs) (laughs) You're not far off. (laughs) Dude, come on. Give me over five feet. No. I think I, I might have gotten like four, eight. Yeah, we in need to start school. pole vaulting 100 <laughs> at that point. <laughs> so, but it gets worse. Pole rentals are crucial at the Rise Pole Vault Training Center, providing athletes the right pole at the right time without the hefty price tag. The problem is managing rentals was a nightmare with spreadsheets and logs leading to missing poles and missing payments. We faced a tough decision. Stop renting poles or hire someone to manage them. Enter PVR, the game-changing app that streamlines rentals. Available on iOS and Android, PVR acts like a full-time rental employee without the cost, managing payments, records, and offering a growing list of features to turn rentals into an invaluable service. Interested? Contact support at risepolevault.com or DM us on Instagram for details. Discover how PVR revolutionizes the pole rental experience today. Because <laughs> seventh grade, I I didn't clear a bar the whole season. In the high jump? Yeah, I no-hide it every single time. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but I just kept doing it because it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that does not sound like fun at all. Holy I getting, cow. I was getting frustrated. And then eighth grade... Like, I don't remember how many meets we had in eighth grade, but it wasn't that many. But every meet up until the last two, I still no heighted. And then oh second to last God. meet of eighth grade year, I cleared like four, eight. And I was just so excited. <laughs> then, Dude, I need, we need to get to the bottom of this. Like how, <laughs> how like, don't they start it like, like one, two inches height. over yeah. the, over the pit yeah. or something? It was pretty bad. There's some old videos of me high <laughs> jumping. And it's, we need to get some of those <laughs> videos, man. It's not good. So what? I'm just confused. Like, how did you not figure it out? Like, did you just not, did you just go straight up and come straight down or? I think I was just kind of jumping at the bar okay, over and you. over again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was rough Dang, and man. I wasn't really very athletic. Like I was pretty gumpy. Yeah. And so. How tall were you? I'm just curious. Like that time. I have no idea. I was probably pretty average for an eighth grader. Okay. I don't think I was super tall. I got tall my freshman and sophomore year of high school is when I like kind of grew more. Okay. Um, cause sometimes people like, I'm sure you've worked with kids or, or whatever that are like, they hit like a crazy growth spurt around that age. And then they're like really tall and lanky and then have zero control over their <laughs> yeah. body. So I was just curious if that might've been playing into the, uh, the no height situation. Like, yeah. I don't think it was, I didn't, yeah, I was pretty average height for most of my life until high school. Yeah. And then, um, freshman year, like I said, I started pole vaulting. Um, I started freshman year just doing 
like kind of the same thing, just like 100, 400. I didn't run the mile anymore, but I was doing discus. How also. were those? How were those events like? Oh, they're the they're bad. They're pretty bad. Also, I don't remember what my time Dude. was in the mile, but the 400 in middle school, it was a good like 75 wow. seconds. Dude, this is turning into a story of achievement. Like, <laughs> like, dude. You know high basically your entire career in high jump and then you become a five seventy two pole vault. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, keep going. So <laughs> yeah. So then uh freshman year I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. And I run like super slow in the four hundred. Uh my one hundred was like a twelve four or twelve six. It's like not awful for yeah, fourteen, fifteen no, yeah, years that's old, fine. but um, Hold on, you said your 100 was 12.4 or 12.6? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Oh, that might have been sophomore year. Whatever. But either way. Yeah, yeah in the 12s. Good. And then I started pole vaulting just because I saw them vaulting over like on the grass off the track. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty, not on the grass, but yeah, yeah, in the I grass area. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, oh, that looks pretty fun. Can I try it? Yeah. Like to my mom. And she was like, sure. I thought you didn't want to. I was like, yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Right. And so I tried it and I like had a great time with it. Um, jumped nine feet my freshman year. That's what's up. Um, How did that first day go? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, my high school pole vault coach, who's also the men's head coach, uh, Dave Emiot, mm-hmm. he... Shout out Dave Emiot. Yeah. He runs the like, Grand Haven Beach Vault and is just a huge, uh, you know, person in the pole vault world that's really pushed the sport yeah one of the one of the best people i know one of the most influential people in my life for sure he's an awesome awesome dude so yeah um so he starts everybody when when they take their first jump on the pit um everybody all the other pole vaulters start a clap for him and so hold on your first ever jump on a pit yeah that's that's actually a really cool idea yeah and it's like super nerve-wracking like your hands are shaking on the runway but it's a lot of fun and it's like just a good introduction to it yeah and so i remember that um i don't remember a whole lot else from freshman year except for one meet um i was on jv and so it was a dual meet and we had um the order was men's varsity women's varsity women's jv men's jv or boys jv however the order was i was jumping last in the meet right. and pole vault took forever and so we were the last event going and so the whole track team came over to watch the boys JV pole vault. Oh my go. gosh. And that was like super fun because we were going at like seven, six or eight feet. And we had like this crowd of like 50 people that were all like doing the slow cut for us the whole time. Oh my and, gosh. That's so cool, man. Like that, those, that, like there's memories. Like I have my memory, my, one of my best memories ever in pole vaulting was my first high school track meet. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's because i i had learned i started vaulting my eighth grade year and my dad was my coach and he was a very accomplished coach but uh so i already knew kind of like what i was doing i had already jumped like 13 something going into my freshman year um but like all my friends like they kept on saying like you know, like, why do you keep, like, you don't hang out with us after school. Like you keep on going over to North central college and, and, and pole vaulting. Like, so they didn't understand and didn't know what was going on. And so that first meet was my first time that I got to show them my thing, you Mm -hmm. know? And I remember that the night before I, you know, like 
I wake up in the morning. I like get all my track uniform on, get my warm ups on. I go downstairs, pull a board, pour a bowl of cereal, start eating the cereal. My dad comes downstairs and and he's like, "Hey, Jake, it's uh two o'clock in the morning." And I was like, <laughs> "It's like really?" I look at the clock. Oh man. It is two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> so I take all my stuff off. Actually, I think I showered too. I think I showered too, and I take all my stuff off, and I'm like, I was that jazzed up about it. Like I was so pumped up. So then I go back to sleep, wake up the next morning, and it was my you know first time that I got to show people like what I'd been working so hard on behind the scenes, and then you know it's a similar situation where at my high school they had never seen anybody really pole vault you know like it was just like you know not very high like mm -hmm. somebody who really knew what they were doing and i you know make my first bar and everyone's like holy cow he knows how how to do it like that's <laughs> crazy and then make another bar make another bar and and then i made 13 feet and i was like really pumped up about that and then everyone starts to clap like the field house is just booming oh, dude man. i mean it was just and i mean it was so cool and make 13 six and then make 14 and i'm like dude like and everyone's just completely freaking out and i'll never forget that like that the first time that you get a group of people behind you when you're on the runway I mean, you just never forget it. Yeah. It's just, it's what we all do it for. That's why it bothers me whenever people turn off the clap. Like whenever they're like, oh, they're like, <laughs> no, I don't want the clap. I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never been a huge fan of it. I'll yeah. never, I'll never stop people if they're clapping for me. Yeah. But I, I think I might've started to clap like once in my life. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, that's everybody's personality. Like, like starting it is one thing, yeah, right? Like if yeah. you're like the dude who's like, let's get this, let's get it going, get the clap going and you're calling for it. Like that was me. Like I was like, Hey, let's get the energy up and let's go. Some people are maybe more like you where it's like, you know, if it happens, it happens, whatever, but I'm just kind of focused on this. And I was a big emotional jumper, like energy jumper. And, um, and so that doesn't bother me. Like if you're not somebody who calls for it, okay. but what does bother me is when people will stand on the runway and tell everybody in the field house, no, 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 we're not doing it <laughs> because I think to myself, like I was at the world championships last year, uh, with Luke and it like made a connection in my head when Mondo is going at the world record, they shut the entire meet down. Oh, wow. They stopped the races. They, I mean, the races were ready to go off. They stopped the whole thing. They shut the whole meet down. Hmm. That entire stadium started clapping for Mondo. And I was like, imagine if he was like, oh, no, no, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like the clap. <laughs> He's on the jumbotron. I don't like the clap. No, 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 no. And so it's just like once you, if you want to get to a certain level in the pole vault, you have to embrace the clap. Mm -hmm. You can't tell them, like, you can't tell that whole stadium, like, no, stop. Like, I don't want, I don't like it. It messes me up. It messes me up. And this is another point too. You better, if you want to be really good, you better get used to it. Yeah. Because guess what's going to be in your face? A camera. 
<laughs> camera's going to be in your face right at the end of the runway. You think Mondo has a choice of like, hey, no, 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 I don't want the camera. No. Like you're going to have a camera in your face. You're going to have microphones lying in the box. You're going to have people with cameras at the back of the pit just lights going crazy while you're jumping. So in my opinion, like you have to learn how to embrace that and embrace the pressure, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, uh, but yeah, everybody's different on that because, you know, some people, it's almost like they have to have it. Like, it's like, if you guys aren't clapping, I'm not going to be able to get the energy out yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I feel like it's always, uh, I've never really started it because I feel like it's a variable that I just don't want to mm. introduce. Mm -hmm. Cause like anytime there's a clap, I'll always scooch my step back six inches. Yeah. And cause it's just like how it's going to be, even if I try to like run smooth and slow or run smooth, but fast, it's going to be like just amped up. I'm going to have more adrenaline going. Yeah. And I just don't, but if it's happening to me, like if somebody's just starting the clap and it's just what it is, then that's just kind of like the rolling with the punches yeah. where you just got to adjust on the fly and go for what you're going to get. Yep. And that's 100%. the same thing. Like we were talking about yesterday with, um, what was it? It was the trying to like eliminate variables mm -hmm. while you're competing yep. and trying to like rely on the least amount of things possible. Right. And if you can not rely on silence while you're jumping, then that's just going to make you a stronger jumper. That's exactly right. And for obviously the people weren't there, uh, while Trevor and I were having a meeting yesterday, we were having a meeting on his goals and we were having a meeting on, uh, just uh, basically me ranting to him. I apologize because <laughs> I just start going and start getting pumped up about stuff. But I basically, what were we, the original thing was the aura ring. Yeah. That was, that was the original thing. Um, was, you know, I used the aura ring with Luke and we were talking about like, cause I had ori originally told Trevor like, Hey, like let's use the aura ring and let's, uh, it gives me data and then I can see kind of, trends in your in your jumping and whatever i don't think the technology is there yet just based off of the experiment with luke and luke and i are still going to work on it this year and see if there's some conclusions we can draw from it but what we were talking about is how a person's strength is in their lack of need and that's like a thing that i came up with uh, a few years ago where i was like you it, the more that somebody needs the weaker they are, mm -hmm. you know? So if you need that clap, that's a weakness. If you need that silence, that's a weakness because both those two things can be taken away from you. You know, yeah. you need the data from your aura ring in order to, you know, mentally feel okay. That's a crutch. You know, another big one too, that we talked about was, uh, like pre-workout or, or caffeine or like I do this specific routine before I jump. And if that routine's messed up, then I'm not going to jump well. Because if you're trying to do what you're trying to do, I mean, there might be 1% of the time that the routine's not messed up. Yeah. You know? So you said, tell me about, because you were talking yesterday about how you kind of went through that process maybe a year or so ago about reducing your need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it mostly started with, like, eliminating superstitions that I had. And, like what? Uh, like, wearing the same socks. Right. And it was just something that I never 
never thought about before and never really relied on. And then I started wearing the same socks to every meet because I just liked how they looked. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, well, I got to bring these socks because I jumped well in them. And then that kind of snowballed into like, okay, well, I got to wake up at this time and I got to eat this for breakfast. And so then it just goes into all these things that I got to like have my routine before I jump. And then I started to realize that I was doing that. And then I just started with just changing my socks because yeah, right. <laughs> it was like the, the thing in my mind that had absolutely nothing to do with my jumping. Yeah. Um, other than like, or besides the other stuff that I was doing that was superstitious. And, um, I just, it was, I remember the feeling and I was like, oh man, I really hope I jump well today. <laughs> and it was just going from like bright green socks. Cause I went to Michigan state to like dark green socks. <laughs> and it's not that big of a yeah, difference. It makes no difference at all. <laughs> and so and I then did you know that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I jumped like, all right. Like it was a, a decent meet, but I was like, okay, curse is broken. Now yeah. I can, I can wear different socks. And so then the past two years I've been jumping, I and purposely wear different socks to every meet. And so then that kind of started this thing where I'm getting like fancy socks with like different patterns and stuff on them. Right. I'm like wearing some right now that are the Rolling Stones. I like that. (laughs) Well, but those things can creep up on you, you know, without Mm -hmm. you even really realizing it. And, uh, you know, pole vaulting is such a mental game that you really have to guard yourself from those sorts of weird things kind of creeping into your life and into your routine. I remember like a similar thing. Like there was one meet where I, I think it was my socks. It might've been my socks or my singlet that, um, I had not packed like a clean one for the meet. And I was like, Oh dude, I gotta wear like a, a singlet that I worked out in one time. And I was just like, oh, this is, you know, this is not good. And I was, and then like in the end, I was like, that is absolutely ridiculous that that has any effect on my brain or the outcome of the meat at all. Yeah. Like it's crazy, you know, and, and you could just really drive yourself crazy with that type of stuff. But I think it's probably like personality too. Like, are you like that in your personal life? Like, are you pretty... I, we haven't really talked much about your kind of personal life. Like, so do you, are you like anal about certain things or are you like, uh, things have to be in order, like type A person or not really. I, I like having a routine in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, it's not really like I'm pretty flowy. I don't, I'm not super type A, like I'm pretty, uh, relaxed and just kind of do whatever we're going to do. Right. Um, getting back to oh man what was i gonna say sorry no you're good i had something really good i was gonna say oh yeah so the superstition stuff Mm -hmm. so it's gotten to the point now where i try to mix up my routine a lot so i'm just ready for anything where these in certain meets last year like uh, we had like a rainy meet and stuff and they were shutting it down and I was like, why well, just keep jumping? Like, I want to see if I could jump in the rain Yeah. or if like the wind's swirly, I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I want to see if I could jump in a crosswind or a headwind right now. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where I get excited about those mix-ups instead of like dreading them and shutting yes. down. Yes. And that's when you really switch over. And that, that is, 
That's really good, man, because that's a concept that I talked to, which, you know, it's hard to explain this to like a 15 year old. Um, but the concept of like working on those things, like I'm going to practice being like bad at jumping in crosswinds. Like today, like when you show up to the meet, like being able to release the outcome and being able to say, I'm going to be perfectly content with practicing jumping into crosswinds, like practicing like what, like manipulating my, my thought patterns and things like that. That is a really high level skill and high level maturity. Um, and that's, yeah, that's going to come in handy because that's, that's what it all is, you know, like is just trying to figure out like, all right, you know, maybe a kid has a run through issue. Okay. Well, we're going to find that place on the runway that, that you stick, where's that sticky spot, you know? And then now today you're going to release, you have to, a requirement is you have to release your expectation of the rest of the day. Like you can't be like, okay, well I'll work on this uh, as long as, you know, like I jump this high. Mm-hmm. or something like that. But if you can completely surrender to it and just be like, all right, I'm going to work on that sticky spot in the runway today. You know, like where I usually the anxiety builds and I'm about to run through. I'm going to practice getting through that spot. You know, that's that's really really awesome. And that's that's you, you know, you're basically almost embracing you're just embracing the chaos, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And it's hard to do. Like it's, I'm still like every once in a while, if I'm like, if I'm like walking down the street and I get like a gust of wind in my face, I like get a little like, Oh man, like it's a headwind. (laughs) Dude. I know everybody does. I told you about the experiment I did, uh, with the headphones. Yeah. Earplugs. Yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy one where I, I was at, I was jumping one day and it was a pretty nasty headwind. And I was like, I wonder if part of the reason that I'm freaking out about this headwind is just because of the, you know, the auditory inputs that I'm getting from the wind just blowing past my ears and like hearing it. And I put those earplugs in and it was almost like the wind like almost went away. Mm-hmm. Cause I wasn't hearing like the, yeah. you know, going past my ears. And it really just shows how much, of of pole vaulting is just it's like all mental man it's Mm -hmm. so crazy and like being able to it's just it's that initial reaction like when you like you're talking about you're walking down the street and you feel that puff of wind like how can you over time change that initial reaction to it you know and that's really hard because that's like deeply ingrained in you yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's freaking crazy all right so we got to high school before we got off track oh yeah yeah, so freshman year, jumped nine feet, had that meet where everybody was clapping, and it was a lot of fun. And then that, so right after that season, I was getting frustrated because, like, there was kids on my team that were jumping, like, 12 or 13 feet, and I wanted mm-hmm. to be jumping that high. And I remember, I don't remember, but my mom told me that I was talking to her, and I wanted to quit pole vault because I wasn't good at it. And uh, how, <laughs> how old were you? You were a sophomore? I was a freshman. A freshman. A freshman. This was just okay. after my first season. Gotcha. And she was like, Trevor, just stick with it. Trust it. Like, you'll be fine. Just give it another year and you'll start doing better. And I was like, okay, fine. And then we went to the Barry County Fair Vault in the summer hosted by Landon Athletics. Mm-hmm. And 
I jumped 11.6 there and PR'd by two and a half feet in one meet. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is pretty fun. I might stick with pole vaulting now. Yeah, for sure. And so then after that, it was fun. And I would train in the winters with uh, Dave Emiot. Where do you guys train at? Is there like a gym? In the winter? Indoor space or? Yeah, we would train at Aquinas College. Okay, gotcha. They have a pretty nice indoor facility. Raised runway and stuff, so. Sweet. Yeah, we would jump there in the winters. And then um, my sophomore year, I jumped 13.6. So at another two feet on. And then junior year, I jumped... 14-3 14-3 at the indoor state meet. So I PR'd by a foot at the indoor, st- or uh, nine inches at the indoor state meet. And that was the emerging elite qualifying mark for indoor nationals. Okay. And so that was super exciting because I PR'd at state, like the last meet I could jump at to qualify for nationals and I made it. Nationals as in like New Balance Nationals yeah, or something? Yeah, New Balance Nationals. Okay, gotcha. And uh, we went to New York and uh, jumped at the Armory. And that was super fun. And that was in 2017 when Mondo was there and he jumped 581 or whatever it was whenever he got over 580 for the first time. That's crazy, man. And it was so cool to watch. And um, it was me, Gabby Leon was there because she went to my high school. And uh, so you guys were teammates. Like, were you the same? She was age? one year. One year. Ahead of me. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And we were there and like watching and like getting super excited. And um, afterwards, we we're standing like on the rail, like outside of the outside lane mm-hmm. on the 200 track and uh, watching the pole vault. And then after Mondo cleared his 580 and finished jumping, he got off the pit and like started taking his stuff off. And like five minutes after he finished jumping, we were like, we're going to go out there and get a picture with him. And so we snuck past the rail and like just went on like the pole vault runway yeah, and got a picture with him after he jumped. And That's it was just wild. It was so weird. Like it wasn't weird at the time, but it's weird to think about now. Because it's like, if you were to try to like, at like Eugene or at like the world championships or something, jump over the rail and try to get a picture with Mondo, like on the pole vault runway. Get tackled. Yeah. Like there's no chance it would happen. Right. Yeah. That's what's even crazier though is like, are you guys the same age? Yeah. (laughs) Well, but isn't that, isn't that weird? Like how it's like, just like, that's been the thing with Mondo. In my opinion, one of the things is that he just has an aura about him that he has more experience like than his age yeah you know what i'm saying it's like when you look at like i'm not saying he looks old (laughs) what i'm saying (laughs) is like when you look at him and you you kind of look at him just kind of move through the world it's just like he looks wise just yeah like he's got he's got like the wisdom of like a you know 30 some year old Mm -hmm. person you know and that's yeah so that it's just kind of interesting like that you know you you look at that person is like wow you know he you didn't even think about that he was your age and you know like it was just like that's just really really crazy i mean and to jump that high at that that age is insane yeah it's pretty sweet so we watched him jump and then i think i jumped before him but i jumped in the emerging elite and i double pr'd at that meet and jumped 15 three and a half let's go um coming in with a pr 14 three and so that was super exciting and my the current school record before I jumped that was 15.3 and so the progression just went perfectly to half cent or half inch higher wow that's awesome so that was fun to get the school record and I got off the pit and I went up to uh, coach Emiat and um, I was like excited and stuff and he was like school record I was like I, but it's indoors and we're like we're jumping with the like Kentwood track club it's not like yeah. East Kentwood 
And he's like, Trevor, I decide that stuff. You're going on the board. <laughs> that's awesome. And I was like, that's just kind of the guy he is where he's just like gets the stuff done for the people he cares about. That's awesome. And so that was pretty cool. That's what's up. Um, so what, like, so you had a like consistent, like real progression every single year. Yeah, so, like, it was surprising. What, what do you think enabled you to do that? I think it was just year round practice. Mm-hmm. And I took time off also, which is kind of counter counterintuitive. But right, right. I so I jumped in the winters, which uh-huh. I think is really what helped me out. Right. I didn't just jump during track season from like March to June. Mm-hmm. And um I played hockey also most of my life. And so I think just getting away from pole vault and like trying to be good at hockey also mm-hmm. kind of just let me do a reset every once or every like fall when right. we would be doing hockey stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that just training for most of the year and especially in the off season helped a lot because if I were to have just trained in during the Springs during track season, I would have gotten like four seasons worth, but because I trained during the indoor season also, I got like double that. Right. And so my progression was probably twice as fast as it would have been if I just trained in the regular seasons. Well, think about it like this, like. In Illinois, the high school track season is, I mean, it's basically February through, I mean, I guess they start jumping like in January. So like if you just did like the high school season and you didn't do anything else outside of that, so it'd be a January, February, March, April, May. So that's five months. Okay. And then you could say that your body could handle, you know, like let's say two, you know, two vault workouts a week, you know. Well, so we would do two times four weeks. So that's eight times five. What's that? 40? Yeah. Somewhere around there. 45? No. 40. 40. (laughs) Yeah. So that's 40 workouts. Like when you put it like that, it's like, that's not that many workouts. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, I want to improve by three feet this year. We got 40 opportunities, you know, to, to work on that. But if you, you know, double that, you know, to 80 or a hundred opportunities a year, then you're really, really helping yourself, you know, get a lot better. And I always, I've always talked about things in reps. My dad always used to tell me that like, ah, dad, I can't do this drill. Ah, you know, uh, 400 more reps and you'll get it. And it was like almost it be exactly like he was so good at that. He'd just be like, ah, you just need, all right, you're going to need 300 reps over the summer. And then, you know, another four or 500 reps during the fall and winter. And then, you know, I think you'll be at where you want to be at. And so that's how I've always thought about stuff is think about it in reps. How many reps are you getting? But there's a caveat to that because you can't just do all 500 in the next month, you know, or else you'll get injured and then that'll push that away. And then that brings up another good point. If you just jump during the high school season, what happens if you get injured? Then all of a sudden, you know, like, let's say like one or two months of that is taken away, you know, and then now you're down to, let's say... 35 practices or, or probably less than that, like 28 practices. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy cow, how can you expect to get, and then, and then, all right, I'm just doing this. So you jump all four years of high school, right? And let's say you do 40 
you know, 40 workouts a year, 40 times four, that's 160 workouts for your entire high school career. If you just jump during the high school season, it's just it, in my head, it just doesn't seem like you could like make all the progress that's possible. Like, yeah. can you get much, 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 much better? Absolutely. But you know, it all just boils down to the person and I, do you want to reach your ultimate potential? Because if you want to reach your ultimate potential, you're probably going to have to go outside of that. Yeah. You know? Um, so I also think, okay. sorry, I also think that having a good coach is important and that yeah. helped me a lot. And then also I had, we have a lot of polls at my old high school. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that I was on the right pole at the right time was also a big part of right. why I had that a steady progression like I did. Absolutely. Where can you like remember things specifically? I know it was a long time ago. Like specific things like maybe that caused a breakthrough. Like like that breakthrough at that street meet that you jumped two and a half feet higher. Do you remember like was there something different that you did? I think I just kind of timed up the bend of the pole a little bit better. Okay. I don't really remember a whole lot because it was like eight years ago or something. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I remember the meet and I remember that I was during the season, I was bending the pole a little bit, but it was just kind of like throwing me all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so I think at that time I was able to get my feet up in time where it popped, gave me a little pop off the top instead of just like throwing me at the bar. Right. Right. What about like any other times like that meet at the armory or like, yeah, I'm that one actually that breakthrough came indoors and I remember I have the video on my phone of the the jump where I it like clicked because mm -hmm. I landed on the pit and I like dropped my jaw dropped I was like, oh. <laughs> That's the best. that was it because I <laughs> I it was another thing with my swing where I timed it up where I was getting I wasn't getting caught in that L position yeah I like moved through it all the way and so I was extended before the pole recoiled right and so it gave me even more pop off the top of the pole right. And so that was another one where I was like, whoa, that felt way better. Right. And so then fast, fast forward a month or two and then I PR by a foot. That's why. Or I guess a couple more feet because that was before the state meet indoors. So what would you say like uh, were some of the cues that you used back then? Like what are some things that Dave kind of taught you like some of the core things that, you know, you guys really worked on a lot? The biggest things that he would always hammer in were run and plant. Mm -hmm. And he said that he would always say that um, at like 90% of the time, the fastest guy at the meet is going to be the one who wins the pole vault. Mm -hmm. And so we always worked on speed and being fast on the runway and then having a really big plant. And okay. then the rest just kind of like happened. Like it was like fine tuning, but the most important things were the run and plant. Yeah. And I think that's like mostly, I honestly, I don't remember a whole lot of what the cues were that he was telling me, but I do remember it was a lot of emphasis on run and plan. It's so that, I mean, it's 100% true. And if you talk to anybody who knows what they're doing, that's what they're going to tell you is mm -hmm. like your run and your takeoff are the most important parts of the pole vault. Uh, I was talking, I called Katarina uh, the other day to kind of, figure out what we we're going to do at this camp, this camp, uh, the lead experience camp that we're offering. And she was like, well, you know, I know that it might not be like the most fun thing, but I mean, 
the most important parts of the run and the takeoff, you know, so we probably are going (laughs) to do a lot of that. And I was like, I'm totally fine with that. It's really hard when you're coaching younger kids because you fight this battle every day of giving them what they want versus giving them what they need because it's so hard, man, because I want to make them happy. I'm a people pleaser. I like, I like whenever I get to give people good news, you know, Mm -hmm. like I like to say, Hey, you get to go full approach today and you get to, you know, do all the fun stuff. But the problem is, is they don't know what they need and I know what they need and we know what they need. And a lot of times it is, they need to work on their run and their takeoff and even make it even worse it has to be off the runway <laughs> you know and you don't even get to do the full jump but it's so it's so hard because that is the foundation that sets everything else up and i mean not am i wrong here 90% of the people that we work with are they think that their issues are because they can't do something after they leave the ground. Yeah. That's always the situation. And it's just so, so hard. How have you been dealing with that here? It's been fine. I think yeah. I've noticed that every once in a while I'll keep, I'll like be focusing on the plant with somebody. And then when they go back and get in line, I can see they're like frustrated and they just want to like work on something else. Yeah. And I have noticed that when I work with somebody on their top end, they, are having a lot more fun yeah yeah right <laughs> because the it's the when you work on the top end i feel like you see the rewards like immediately right where you like line up the the invert a little bit better and then all of a sudden you're clearing the bungee yeah but with the plant if you hit the plant better you're going to be hitting the bungee more because you're going to be blown through the pole right and so it doesn't feel as good yeah but it's been going well it's, it's hard tough. it's a it's a i've learned a lot in the like the last just two months that i've been here yeah that's awesome and yeah you'll continue to learn you just are coaching so many reps you know mm-hmm. like there's so many times that it you know you're just constantly giving feedback to kids and that's it's really hard to you know breach that barrier of all right i know you're not gonna like this but we got to do this thing and the kids who end up being receptive of that end up in the end having a much much better time yeah you know this episode of the one more jump podcast is brought to you by ucs spirit from the beginning ucs spirit's goal has been to produce the highest performing vaulting pole in the world being vaulters themselves they know the unforgettable feeling of jumping a new pr or hitting the perfect movement in a jump and want to bring that feeling to as many vaulters as possible Trust the brand that has been chosen to set every women's and men's pole vault world record since the company's inception in 1987. That's pretty insane. I also will mention that we got a brand new set of poles for Luke. He jumped 580 on them. And the transition from pole to pole is seamless. And that is super, super important whenever you're building a pole series and especially as you start to advance as a pole vaulter that transition from pole to pole just becomes more important the better you get and ucs does an incredible job of that all right back to the episode so i think we're at your junior year now and you and that junior year was at milrose game or not milrose games uh the armory yeah and then your senior year was also another big increase yeah 
Yeah. So my outdoors, my junior year was a little bit underwhelming because I was dealing with back injury. Okay. I was just like tightness in my back and like sharp pain. And so Did you have to take time off for that. Or? A little bit. I missed a couple meets and I was going to PT and stuff, but mm -hmm. I ended up jumping 14, six or 14, three at the state meet. And I placed like fourth or fifth. So it was like a good performance, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. Right. Um, and then, so it's kind of a progression. So my, the summer going into my senior year, I went to a gymnastics place with some of my friends just like for fun. Yeah to jump around and um i'd been working at sky zone previously oh like the trampoline park? yeah <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> and so i would like jump there a lot and i would i was good at like doing backflips and stuff on the trampolines and so we went to that gymnastics gym and i was like confident and stuff i was like oh yeah, i can do all this stuff and so we get there and i'm super excited and i jump right on a trampoline and just one hop into a backflip and <laughs> i start rolling forward I start moving forward in the air and mess it up and land on my knees on the pad that covers up the springs oh, and stuff. Yeah. And the pad rips and my knee just goes right through it and hits one of the beams that is uh, under the trampoline. And it just takes a huge gash out of my knee, probably like two inches long, like pretty much my whole kneecap. Oh and, my gosh. And so that was pretty bad. And I like didn't even realize it happened at the time. It felt like I just kind of got like my skin scraped. Right. And so I was like, oh man, and I stood up and like touched it. And I was like, oh, and I looked out or I looked at my friends and they were like, like eyes were huge. Like they were like, I, don't, uh, <laughs> I looked down and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went and like sat down and like waited and the people at the place drove me to the hospital and I ended oh up getting gosh. stitches and it was bad. And I was in a knee mobilizer for like two weeks because of it. Wow. And so that set me back a little bit with training. And um, it took me about a month to like get back to like where I was before that happened just because my like my leg wasn't moving for those two weeks. Was it just a flesh wound or like was like cartilage damage? Yeah. So that was, I was really lucky with that. It was super close to like nicking one of my tendons, mm. but it just took the skin off and that was it. So that was lucky at least. <laughs> that was nice. Took the skin off. But yeah. <laughs> so I... Yeah, so it took me a little, little while to get back to like into shape and then I was doing well and jumping well and then in December, two weeks before Reno, maybe one week before Reno, I was playing hockey and one of my teammates came and like ran into me and hit me in the shoulder and broke my collarbone. Oh, jeez. And so that knocked me out for six weeks and right. most of indoor, most of the indoor season I was out because of that. What Dave say? What they say? What Dave say? Oh, Dave. Um, I don't remember. I don't think he was happy, but <laughs> right. It happened early enough in the season where I was still able to jump at indoor state, and right. I jumped. I think what I, I don't remember what the mark was, but it was one bar below what I needed to go to indoor nationals. Okay. And so I ended up not going that year, which oh. was just like I was devastated. Yeah. And. Um, it like kind of lit a fire under me for outdoor season. Right. And so then outdoor season, first meet, open up, jump 15 feet. And that was like super exciting because I hadn't been over 15 in over a year or about a year. And the next meet, same thing, jump 15 feet. And kind of through the season, I was, I kind of like took a step up and I was running a little bit faster, jumping a little bit better. And I was pretty consistent over 15 feet, taking shots of 15, seven, 16 feet. And 
I like halfway through the season, I jumped 15, seven qualified for championship new balance nationals. And then at our conference meet, I jumped 16 for the first time. Mm. And that was super exciting because I had been jumping on 16 foot poles at that point. And like, it was, I was just a little, I was just barely not good enough to get on them easily. Right. And so I had to be jumping really well to get on them. And so that jump finally was like the click where I like I was starting to roll the 16s pretty well. Yeah. And so I jumped 16 there for the first time, which was super exciting. And then jumped 16 again at team state the week before individual state. And then at individual state, it was pretty exciting because I was coming in with a PR of 16 feet. The next guy, the next best guy in the state was 15-9, Eric Harris right. from Celine, And... Um, so I was thinking like, okay, I just got to do what I've been doing and I'll be able to win the meet right? and then see what happens after that. And so the meet goes well and I'm jumping well and first is first or second attempts on most bars and I clear 16 feet first attempt and then Eric clears 15 feet or 16 mm -hmm. feet first attempt. I was like, oh man. So we go to 16, three and then I miss my first with a blow through and he clears it. So I pass to 16, six, miss my first again. And then he misses his first. So I'm on my third attempt now Ooh. at 16 feet because I passed. Right. 16, six and a half was the bar and I cleared it on my third attempt. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, like a six inch PR and yeah. I was just so pumped for it. And like, that was like the most excited I've been up until that point right. for a bar. And yeah. um, so that was super exciting. And then Eric goes and clears it on his second attempt. And so oh now, God. now he's back in the lead. It's a good mistake. <laughs> yeah. And so then we go up to 16, nine and a half. And I think, I think I cleared it first attempt oh my God. at 16, nine and a half. And it was either first or second. And it was a nice jump. I had a little bit of room on the top and no touches on the bar. And then he goes and um, misses his first at 16, nine. So then we passed to 17 feet and a half inch. And we both go out at that bar. Oh my gosh. And so both of us had nine inch PRs. He came in with 15.9. I came in with 16. And then he ended with 16.6. I ended with 16.9 and a half. That's crazy, dude. And so then that was, yeah, it was just a super fun meet, high, high intensity. And the, I was lucky also because the progression again went to a, a nice mark where it was three quarters of an inch above the state record. Oh, wow. And so I ended the meet with state title and state record. And state meet record too. So that was wow. a, a pretty fun day. And then that also to add on to that, my um, coach in college who I hadn't really met yet a lot, but I was going to Michigan State. And so Coach Creekmer, who's the jumps coach at Michigan State, and then Coach Drenth, who is the old head coach, were also there at the meet and watching. And they were like cheering me on and stuff. And it was just a, a great day. It was a lot of fun. That sounds like a great day. I Two questions. Um, what is individual and team state? You don't have that in Illinois. We just got state. Oh, okay. <laughs> team state is, um, it's we'll, like we'll the, this up a little bit. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. We're going to get it. There we go. Right. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Team state is like the the state meet that nobody really cares about. Team state is the one that nobody cares about. Yeah, which seems nice. a little weird, but it's because all the teams are allowed to go. 
And so it's scored the same as individual state where like 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 for the top eight right. points. But since all the teams can go. Hold on. How do they host a meet where every team i don't really know team <laughs> i think i mean it's it's just you have like um, only like a hundred teams in michigan <laughs> or something i don't know what like the requirements are to go but there's a lot of teams there and right so it's not the like the best of the best in the state that are going because just teams can bring whoever they want wow that's I don't very interesting this, i want to look this are. up later yeah, yeah. i take everything i say about that with a grain of salt because <laughs> i don't know for sure what it was but so that's team state and team state it's if you win team state it's great if it if you don't like it's not that big of a deal because it's not like the real thing where you have to qualify for it and so you actually have we have like our regional meet which is like sectionals where you have to hit a certain bar right to go to individual state right and then individual state is the one that like counts where when is team state it's like a week or two weeks before individual state so you go to team state and then you go to a, like a regional or a sectional and then you go? Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a little weird, but I wonder, yeah, I wonder what the reasoning for that is. I Just don't know. maybe part, give people more participation or something. Yeah, so in Illinois, it's just, uh, so, but then I'm just confused because then you score individual state? Yeah. As a team? Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah so like uh, each, we gotta each look high this school up has later, their yeah. own scores so like whatever east kentwood would have 65 points see like whenever you said it i was like all right that kind of makes sense like they're gonna have one meet that is just about the team title and then they're going to have one that is just about individual titles and they're not going to score that one as a team event but you have, so you have team state and then you have individual state. But like individual state is the real state. Yeah. Okay. You didn't win team state, did you? I did win team state. You did win. Yeah. You're a team state and individual <laughs> yeah. state, man. But I didn't get a, a plaque or anything for team state. I just feel like team state probably just needs to yeah, be I don't done. Know. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. That's interesting. Yeah, I just, yeah. So in, I mean, every state has like an interesting thing. Actually, I was curious about Michigan. So when do you guys, when does your outdoor season, do you guys have a full indoor season? No, not have, through the school. You don't have any school indoor season. Yeah, it's just through a club. So like, like I guess I said it like just for a second earlier, it was jumping for Kentwood Track Club right. for the indoor season. And then outdoor season is East Kentwood High School. And then when does that start? I think in like March or April. March or April. Yeah, because I was curious about that. Because you guys are even further, obviously further north than us. You're like three hours or so away from uh, where we're at. And it's dicey outdoors. Yeah. Like yeah. really dicey outdoors. Yeah. Our first two meets, our first two meets outdoors are inside. Like straight up inside. Yeah, like we had our first one at Grand Valley State's indoor facility and the second one was at aquinas college okay so it's not considered like an indoor and outdoor season it's just track season yeah, yeah. I guess so. okay yeah. yeah that makes sense i always wondered about that with like wisconsin and and michigan um 
just because, you know, for a while there, the Wisconsin, you know, what would win Wisconsin state was like, you know, I'm not trying to hate on anybody or anything, but it would be like third, whenever I was, I was in high school, it'd be like 13, six would win mm. Wisconsin state. And I would always be like, man, that's crazy. Like, I feel like, you know, people could jump higher than that and win state, uh, in Wisconsin. But then I was like, they aren't thawed out yet. Like nobody's thought out, <laughs> you know, until May, you know, so there's literally a bunch of frozen Wisconsiners up there <laughs> that are just, you know, trying to get over something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. So what was the second question was, what was the, when did you start being like recruited? What was like the height that you noticed that more people were paying attention to you, more colleges? 15.3 was when I started to get Actually, I only, I didn't get it too many, I didn't get noticed too much, but, um, so I jumped 15, three, my junior year and that like after that point was kind of when I think the, that the fall of my senior year was when I was like going on visits and stuff. Do you remember where you visited? Yeah. I just visited Michigan state and central Michigan. Okay. And yeah, there was uh central's I was looking for a bigger school and I went to central was Bryant, first. Was Bryant Wilson the coach there? Yeah. Yeah, he was. I went to Europe with Bryant Wilson. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He went to Finland with me. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah. I was cool dude. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, I just visited central and I visited state and, um, I was looking for a bigger school and central just wasn't a very big school. Mm -hmm. And so going from central to state, it was just kind of like, I mean, this is, they're, I mean, it's and Mac and Mac and Big Ten, so it's Michigan State's leagues. kind of had a history in the vault too. Like they yeah. they've had good pole vaulters that have come through there. Was Paul Tarek? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Michigan him. State? He was a he was before Coach Creekmer was there, I think. Yeah, maybe or maybe just at the start of Coach Creekmer's career. But then the Tim Earhart with was he was uh, with the red hair? Yeah, yeah, he was a decathlete. Yeah, yeah he was a heck of an athlete. He's too, a monster. Man. Gosh dang. <laughs> Yeah, so they've had a good history of, of good vaulters there. And I actually uh, looked there. Uh, I didn't go on a visit there, but I, I looked there whenever I was coming out of high school too. So that recruiting process, just because I find it interesting, and we were actually having this conversation the other night with a kid. He He's from Indiana, and he looks like he could potentially jump, you know, 16 plus. Like just from – my bird's eye view, like, all right, yeah, that looks like he's got the materials that he could potentially do that, but he's a senior. Mm -hmm. And so he was asking us like, what should I be doing to get recruited and stuff like that? And I was like, well, you know, set up a pole vault Instagram and take videos here and then, you know, start pushing them out. And, um, but it's just really hard if you're a senior and you don't get that big breakthrough until, the state meet yeah you know but you had already committed yeah before. to michigan state yeah i committed i think some sometime during the outdoor season i'm pretty sure so i was still my pr was still 15 3 when i committed to michigan state okay and then there they were and when did they start like kind of saying like okay yes we're gonna you know let, offer you this much or we're going to let you walk on or whatever do you remember what time when that was i that think junior or senior that was my senior year. Like the fall of my senior year, they might have offered me like books. Mm -hmm. So like a 5% scholarship. Right. Um, when I was, my PR was 15.3. Right. So basically just like a couple hundred bucks a semester. Yeah. Um, as just like starting. And then I jumped 16.9. And then they offered me 
more. Right. Because yeah. of that. So that was nice. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that's legit. Um, so what if like, so whenever you jump, you jump 16, nine, and then you go into your freshman year at Michigan state, how was that transition? Uh, it wasn't, it was, uh, it wasn't bad. It was yeah. definitely different. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty decent freshman year. I think that, so usually like around five meters, five ten ish, it's like 16, four, 16, eight will place at big tens, like top eight, mm -hmm. which is what the coaches are usually looking for, for, um, like their athletes. And so I was kind of coming in with a decent floor where I was like, okay, as long as I just do what I've been doing, I'll probably be able to jump a mark that the coaches will be happy with. Yeah. And I ended up jumping indoors my freshman year. I think I got over five meters or 490 maybe once. And I jumped 499 at indoor big tens, placed 10th. Okay. And so I was like pretty happy with it. Yeah. And then outdoors, I had a, a good meet and PR jump 522. And so that was a 10 centimeter PR from high school. Right. And that's awesome. Yeah. That was, that was a super fun meet. And then, um, placed eight, that outdoor big tens. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty rocky year. It was just up and down. Like I would have a good meet and a bad meet and a good meet and a bad meet. And I think that was just kind of me and coach Creamer trying to figure each other out. And he was trying to see like how I'm going to re like for my third attempts, I'm usually a little more amped up and, I'll move the pole better than on my first attempt. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of making those little adjustments to just like my personality when vaulting that I think we kind of had to figure out along the way. Um, but yeah, that was. So what were like, were there like big training differences? Yeah, like definitely. That was from a high school to college. That was one of the things I was really surprised about is that in high school, we would jump every single day, mm -hmm. just Monday to Friday. We would just jump. And then if it was like we just jumped in a meet yesterday, we'd go from a short today instead. But in college, it was just jumping twice a week. Right. And uh, the other days of the week, we'd do like short sprints Monday, jump Tuesday, relax day Wednesday. So we'd do like abs. Thursday, another jump day. Friday was like longer speed endurance, like 150s or 200s. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much the formula for the whole year. Uh, it was like adjusting, obviously, based on schedule and stuff like that. But right. Yeah, it was it was good. I liked it a lot because at that point I'd gotten a good number of reps in to where I kind of had like the fundamentals down of vault and it was just the fine tuning stuff that I needed to really hammer in. And so I was really getting I got a lot stronger and faster like each year of college and that I think was where I got the biggest return because my technique is better now. It looks better, but it's not like completely overhauled and everything's changed like i'm right. you can see that i'm like the same vaulter it's just like oh that like this left leg is just a little bit straighter during the swing and stuff yeah. like that yeah just little things but like i'm that. like significantly stronger and significantly faster than i was my freshman year what were like the core things like if you were to put your finger on like these are the things that i believe made me stronger and faster Hmm. I think, I mean, lifting twice a week, two or three times a week was a big one. We would do hang cleans a lot. Um, we do like heavy squats. Um, and I think that getting those explosive muscles going and getting like stronger legs was a big part of it. I think that doing the thirties, we'd usually do like an eight by 30 meter sprint. Mm -hmm. 
and that was big too because that would that was also pretty explosive like i was just pretty much going like 100 percent on all of those sprints every monday for like the whole year yeah for sure and i would notice that i would get faster as the year went on i'd feel better running like i just feel like more in control of like pushing down the runway right and i think so yeah i think that lifting hard and getting stronger and then doing those short sprints were two of the bigger parts that helped me a lot absolutely did you lift or like do very much like uh like what you would consider training training in high school no i lifted in high school um we had a class called advanced pe and it was (laughs) it was just weightlifting class right but it was advanced. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could hear that. Yeah. Very advanced. And that was just, it was pretty typical way of lifting those. It, it was mostly geared for the football players. Okay. And because there was a lot of football players in the class, so it makes sense. Right. But we would just do um, like a typical like squat on Monday, bench on Tuesday, uh, plyos on Wednesday, incline on Thursday, and then front squat on Friday or something like that. With right. With like little exercise in between. But that was pretty much what all I did in high school. So I was like, lifting but i wasn't like pole vault lifting right 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 so what um what like poles and stuff were you jumping on like in in college like as opposed to like were you jumping on did you what did they what did you jump on in um high school like what brand ucs spirits spirits mm-hmm. okay and then you jumped on spirits at michigan state mm-hmm. i i um my freshman year i was going between carbons and spirits oh really yeah just because i don't know why i was doing that but yeah i was and, and it was just the transition between the poles was different. Like they, like a 15,780 and a 15,785 going from a carbon to a spirit. It was like a bigger jump than going from the same pole to the same, or the same pole brand to the same pole brand. Right. And so that was kind of messing with my consistency a little bit. And so then we just switched over to just jumping on spirits the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that helped a lot with my in meat transitions between poles. Because then I wouldn't blow through a pole and then uh, go to the next bar or blow through a pole and then go to the next pole and get stood up. Like that wouldn't happen. I would blow through and then it was the right pole. And then once I blew through that one, go up again and then it was the right pole again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that was one thing that happened to me at Alabama was I jumped on uh, Pacer Carbon's all through high school and we've still got some of them over on the rack over there. The ones that I jumped on in high school, the 15, six series, the carbon FX is like, they, I, they're just the best poles. Like they're incredible poles. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, they switched, everybody's kind of familiar with that. They, you know, switched up the formula and kind of did a little bit of experimenting and, and then, um, you know, there's different ones now, but when I went down to Alabama, it was like really tough because they just didn't have the ones that I was like used to jumping on. And it was, it was really hard. And I eventually just had them ship my poles down to mm. Alabama because <laughs> it was just like, this is just not working out. Um, did you ever feel so one of the things that I sometimes go back and forth with whenever I'm talking with people about college is, like advising them on making the decision between division one and division two, division three. And people always, you know, have this idea of what division one athletics is. And I'm 
sometimes I'm a little bit hesitant because I get worried about the pressure of being a division one athlete at yeah. a big 10 school like Michigan state. Was there ever a time in your career that you felt like anxiety about, Oh my gosh, like I'm not performing. Like, like, am I going to get kicked off the team or like, am I going to take my scholarship away or anything like that? Yeah. I never thought that I was going to get kicked off the team, but I definitely felt that I wasn't deserving of my scholarship. Mm. And it was mostly because I always had the potential to jump well and place high at Big Tens. But just for some reason, especially indoors, I just never really did. And there's like, I mean, there's different reasons for each of those years. Um, Like it was a different thing every year, but I... Yeah, and especially with like the higher level of competition and like the Big Ten pole vaults usually pretty strong, and so you got to be jumping really high to be competitive. And it was it was tough when I wasn't doing well mm-hmm. because I was like, why am I even like this? Is this right for me? Like, am I supposed to be in this league? Yeah. And I remember so my sophomore year indoors, I jumped five seventeen at Big Tens, and I placed fifth, and I was like super pumped about it. Right. And, and then COVID hit, so I didn't have an outdoor season. And then through the summer and stuff, I was like jumping a little bit. And then, uh, junior year indoors, I was having like a little bit of a rocky indoor and I jumped 520. I remember at Spire and I got off the pit and like almost cried really because I was just like so relieved to like be over 17 again because I hadn't in so long. And I was just like, I was, I felt like I was belonging again (laughs) right yeah no that i i know that is that that's the part when i went to alabama like they were just just point blank like brought me into the office and like hey if you don't jump this high that's all she wrote and Mm -hmm. i was just like all right well you know i was 18 year old kid at the time it's just like man that's crazy okay you know it was really really it was difficult to hear and I, i guess i understand you know where they're coming from but that relief when you do well at a meet uh, is it's like different when you're at a big school like that because mm-hmm. there's a certain pressure that is relieved whenever you're like, oh, okay, I got another week that I don't have to have this pressure because I did well and my coaches are happy and yeah. like everyone's happy. It's, it's so, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And I think you have to have a certain personality to be able to deal with that and handle that, that pressure. Yeah, it's definitely tough. And the coaching staff, I want to be clear. The coaching staff was never like, Hey, you got to jump this bar. Otherwise you suck. It's yeah. And I would (laughs) not think that it's just, everybody feels the pressure. Yeah. Cause if you're not doing well, then guess who's got the pressure on them? coach yeah (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and then the coach is like oh man did we recruit the right guy like all these things it's just uh it's kind of a vicious cycle i talked with brooke rasnick about uh a lot of this stuff on the podcast and it was pretty eye-opening just Mm -hmm. it's kind of a savage environment at times you know and especially at certain schools it's just like whoa very very cutthroat and just oh well you didn't perform all right well you know that's it yeah you know it's like really really crazy and even the coaches too coaches will just get the axe all right see you later you know you're on a year-to-year contract or something that's so crazy you move your family out there Mm -hmm. move your family out there and you're like all right we're gonna get this thing going you have one tough year 
and that, you know, anybody who knows anything about pole vaulting knows it doesn't take one year, you know, uh, well, you know, it didn't work out. And then you got to go move your family somewhere else and hope that yeah. this one works out. Yeah. It's brutal. So crazy, man. I mean, that's just, I just don't think that that's a recipe for like, I don't know. I think the longevity of that is going to be not very good. I think that eventually coaches will probably just be like, no, this is BS, man. Hmm. You gotta, you gotta give me a little bit more time than, than this or whatever. But those big schools, man, they're paying the bills. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they can kind of do what they want to do. But mm -hmm. so you did kind of feel it. It was just kind of like an underlying like yeah. pressure. Yeah. It was just more of like maybe on yourself that you put yeah, on yourself for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause I always wanted to be like the best that I can be. Right. And so if I wasn't being as good as I thought I could be, then it was really tough. Right. And that like kind of came in waves. Like when I was doing well, it was felt great. And then when I wasn't doing well, it, I was like, Oh man, like I'm not doing so hot. And like, it seems like that happens like every year where like the first couple of meets of the year, just cause it's kind of getting back into it. And like, mm -hmm. it's just what it is where you got to have a couple rough meets to like figure yourself out again. Right. Um, and I would just like get so down on myself about it. And like, I would still be fired up to go to the next meet. And like, I was like, all right, I got to turn it around. But each one of those tough meets just got a little bit tougher to like fight through. Yeah. And I had three of them my, this past year indoors, I had three meets in a row where I jumped like 520. I was like 520, 520, 518 or something like that. Right. And like, those are good marks, but for my PR at the time was 546. And so I wanted to be jumping like much higher than that. And my goal for the season was like 550. And so jumping 520 consistently and not having a lot of height over it, I was like, am I going to even be able to jump 540 this year again? Right. And then lo and behold, the next meet I jumped 550. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. That, why did you choose Michigan State? I'm just curious. Mostly because it was close enough to home and I have always been a fan of Michigan state. Like my, both my parents went to Michigan state and I think my grandma and my grandpa on my mom's side went to Michigan state also. Oh, wow. So big Spartans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Family history. That's crazy. Uh, and I also didn't want to be super far away from home and it's about an hour away from Grand Rapids. Okay. So that was a good distance. And then I also, it kind of met, like checked all the boxes for me pretty much. Cause I, I really liked coach Kreetmer. I thought he was really knowledgeable and like, had a lot to offer. I liked the program because it was a bigger school. There was more money in it, more yeah. more that they could do for me. And then um, the school like, was pretty good also. I think they're ranked like top in the business college in the university or something, or in the university, in the country. And your major was? Marketing. Marketing. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, and so you go through college and then you end up having a you know, really good collegiate career. Thank you. And we're almost caught up to current time. So I guess take us through kind of like those last few months of your senior year, um, getting up to that big 10 championship and all that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun year. Um, yeah. like I said, the first three meets were rough and I was like really down on myself after that third underwhelming meet. Um, and then the next meet after that, I jumped 550 at Notre Dame and 555 and that was just like a huge weight off my shoulders. Like I've been chasing 550 for a long time and I got that super pumped about it. And then meet after that jumped 548 at Windy City against Luke. Yeah. He beat me. 
(laughs) (laughs) And then I think that was my last meet before Big big Tens. And I had the top mark in the Big Ten going into the meet. And so I was like, all right, kind of the same thing as state. Just go in and do what you've been doing and it'll probably go well. Right. And I jumped 535 that day, um, placed second, Mm. which was very disappointing. But I was still happy with it because it was my first Big Ten medal. And so like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. And so I was, that felt really good just because the past couple of years I would, I would have one of the higher marks in the big 10, but I just wouldn't be able to put it together on the day. And so even to play second, I was just super happy about it just to have something to show that I was like, good. Right. <laughs> right. And you performed at that meet, yeah. you know, like, cause maybe that was something that was kind of haunting you mm-hmm. for the sure. last few years oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so I jumped 535 there. Took attempts. I I missed my first at 5:45 and then passed to 5:55, I think, and took a really good shot at 5:55. My last attempt got on a, a the biggest pull I've ever been on. Took off just a little bit under, so I hit it just a little shallow. Right. But I was like, uh, I had some room on that bar and Man. just butt, brushed it on the way down. And so that was it was disappointing, but it was a fun meet. Yeah, for sure. And then go to indoor nationals and had like day of my life at indoor nationals yeah <laughs> and, for sure um jumping at the university of new mexico um starting height was the highest i'd come in i think it was five or actually it wasn't the highest i'd come in but it was like 5 30 or something it was up there right and um first couple of bars go well and then it gets to 556 clear that for a one centimeter pr goes to 561 which would be an indoor school record which i was really actually sorry to go backwards but before that meet, I was really hoping to get the indoor school record, which is 560. And it was very disappointing because before the meet started, I was like kind of at peace with it. I was like, ah, this, I won't get it. Like school record's gone. Like I'll just get the outdoor one. Yeah. And then bar goes 561 and I clear it. First oh, attempt at 561. Yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was super pumped about it. And then bar goes 566, clear that one also. Yeah. And so then I end up getting fourth at that meet. And that was like just super exciting, super fun. Right. Fourth at indoor NCAs was awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Especially against the people that you're jumping against. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, it's like yeah, the greatest field jumped, in history. Yeah. When Sandra jumped six meters. So it was, it was, that was fun to watch that. That was the first time I seen a six meter clearance in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane, man. And then outdoor was more consistent. It was a little up and down, but I got over 550 a few times, 18 feet a few times outdoors. And then um at big tens um that was a exciting meet because i was going well i jumped at like 517 and then 534 or something like that and both first attempts and then 544 the bar went to missed the first attempt and then on a blow through or no i'm sorry on a bail and then second attempt was a blow through moved up to again the biggest pull i jumped on in my life two bigger than the one i jumped on at indoor big tens and um, I was just like, I remember being on the back of the runway and like, I was like, all right, I'm going. I was like, I was like two steps in and I was like, am I, I'm, I'm running, I'm going. All right, we're doing it. Yeah. And then I hit it and like bombed the bar. It was a huge jump. Yeah. At 549 and that took the lead. And then, um, the guy who I was jumping against who was like, like me and him would go back and forth a lot. Nathan Stone from Indiana. Um, he missed at 554 when we went to that. And so one big tens for the first time last chance i could do it and it was like amazing it was super fun that was cool to follow along with too at that moment at that time you and i i think had 
had we agree- had we agreed that you were going to come over at that I think time? so yeah I think we did because I remember you know cuz you had reached out a few times and then I was like yeah you know what like you know one thing that I will say um I I don't know if I've ever shared this with you um so originally you had reached out to us and reached out to me and just been like hey like you know I'm looking for a place to train or whatever yeah, it was in like school. January yeah yeah in January or something and I was like oh man you know I was in the process of you know getting this whole situation set up over at the new place and and I was just like yeah like let's see how your the rest of your year goes or whatever and then I asked Luke I was like hey have you ever you know talked with this guy Trevor like at all is he cool dude is he <laughs> you know meet like I don't know we didn't want to have somebody who's kind of like a douchebag <laughs> you know what I'm saying like we did not want that um, and he was like, yeah, he's a really cool dude. Um, and then Luke went and jumped at the Windy City meet. I think it was that one. And he was like, yeah, man. Uh, he was calling me after to tell me how he did. And he had a decent day that day. And he was like, yeah, it was just, it's just so hard because literally it was me and mom and Amber, his wife, like yeah. in the, in the field. The place house. was empty like literally just them and and he was like oh and trevor stayed (laughs) and i was like really he was like yeah the whole team like trevor's whole team had like left and like trevor stuck around and like just kind of cheered me on like through the end of the competition and that was the moment where i was like all right that's pretty cool that (laughs) and that was like and you didn't even try to do that like to you know to do anything. I think it's just kind of who you are. And I just remember thinking about that. I reflect on that all the time. And I remember being, hearing you like reach out again and saying like, yeah, you know what, let's just do it. Like, let's (laughs) just go, you know, and see how, and see, you know, what's going on. And then whenever you started jumping at big tens and you won that, like, I just remember being like more invested in following you and following what you were doing and just being more excited and, and yeah, it was a really, really kind of a cool few months there following along with you and seeing how you were doing. Yeah, it it was, it was fun. So you, so you did that. And then this is when things kind of got pretty exciting though. Cause like that was not the, the end of your season. Yeah. Usually it's pretty close to the end. Um, went and qualified for NCAAs outdoors at Texas with a third, I had a, a uh, scary jump at 520 at regionals third attempt yeah third attempt and <laughs> the video of me i like land on the pit and i like cover my eyes <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh but i made it through jumped at um uh, then jump at uh ncaa's and um didn't jump super well i think i really think what it was is i was just so like the biggest thing that i wanted to do in my college career was win big tens and so after i did that it was kind of like it's not the Olympics, but it was like the Olympic hangover yeah. that people talk about. Right. Where after you do that, you're like, well, what now? Right. And so I wanted to do well at NCAAs, but I didn't do super well. I jumped 530, placed like 15th, I think. Right. So it was underwhelming, but it was what it was. Yeah. Um, and then I was really close to making it to Outdoor USA's, the USATF Nationals. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I was like one or two spots out of qualifying for it. And so we, I stuck around Michigan state for the next month or two, kept training, jumped at two more meets, 
Uh, the first one was a small meet at uh, Jerry Sessions Vault Barn, Landon Athletics. Um, and it's just like a Star Wars themed vault day. And so it wasn't really <laughs> like the what I was looking for, but it worked. And um, <laughs> I didn't jump super well there. I jumped 530 again. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where I was, I learned a lot from that meet because that was the first time that I jumped without Coach Kriegmer. Right. Like at all. Um, I jumped with him without him at a meet before, but he was like on the phone, like helping me out still. Yeah. But that was the first time that I was, <clears throat> excuse me, completely on my own. And I learned a lot about myself that day and then um, wanted to take all of that into the next meet, which I did. I just jumped at my old high school, East Kentwood, and there was it was at the state games in Michigan. Um, and Coach Emiot told me like the Tuesday before the meet, he was like, yeah, I can get this USATF certified for you if you want to like jump at this meet and try to get one more shot at qualifying for USA. So I was like, oh, all right, we'll do it. Yeah. And so I show up there and I just pretty much want to just change what I did wrong from the last meet. I was like, if I could do the right things that I did wrong. Do you remember what they were? Yeah. I didn't, I was pushing poles too soon. And that was something that we were doing during the college season that was working well because I was like all juiced up on adrenaline, especially at big tens where we were just trying to get ahead of the blow through to get some first attempt makes. Yeah. And so try to do that at Jerry's which was the Star Wars vault. And I wasn't really amped up for it. <laughs> so, Did you dress up like Luke Skywalker? No, I should have. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was... Hold on, time out. Were people dressed up like Star Wars I people? don't think so. I don't think there were any like capes or anything. Or so what was the... the well, there was like Jerry uh, like decorated the whole facility for it. He had like lighting, like dark lighting and like... I got to see the uh, pictures of this. It was pretty sweet. It was fun meet, but I didn't jump well. And yeah. it was because I was pushing poles too big or too soon. And so I was trying to get on like the pole that I jumped. Hold on. You were pushing poles too early in the competition. Yeah. So okay. I was just trying to get on a bigger pole than I should have been on. So I'm assuming that at the Jerry set at the Star Wars meet, you went probably just like came down on the bar a bunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Which I like rarely ever do. Okay. And so I was, I hit it on the way down a bunch and um, took shots at 530 was on too big a pole. And it was hard for me to trust it because I, it'll happen a lot where I'll take a little bit off of a jump on a smaller pole to make it work. And then the next jump, since I move up pole, I'm like, all right, this one's, I got to go for this one and then blow through it. Right. And so it was hard for me to trust that. But then when I jumped at East Kentwood, I like really wanted to move up a pole because I was like, I, I'm going to blow through this. I know I'm going to blow through it. I was like, let's just bury the standards and just hit it hard and try to just make it work yeah and so i did i started on one of my smaller poles um and just opened at 520 cleared a first attempt on a blow through make and i was like okay good now we can move up a pole bring the standards in just a little bit and then um just roll from there and so i jumped at 535 on one pole up it was a five meter 14 is what i was on at 535 and then um i didn't really blow through it but i was like again i was like oh, i want to go pull for 550 because I know I'm going to need more for it. Right. And I was like, no, just trust it. We got to try to fix the mistakes I did the wrong last week or two weeks ago. And so stayed on the 14.0 at 550 and cleared it. And it was a little bit of a blow through, which is pretty sweet to have blow through make 550. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, so I made it and I was like, all right, sweet. So now I can move up because it was a little blow through and I didn't get a lot on the, a lot of height. Now I move up, put the bar at 572, which was what I was hoping for 
to qualify me for USAs. Right. And I was like, man, it'd be sweet. Like as, at that point, I had already fixed everything that I wanted to fix and I cleared 550. So I was like, I'm pretty happy with the day. Like if I get over this, it's like awesome. Right. And so I move up a pole and then come down the runway and like hit it well and clear it first attempt at 572. <laughs> That's crazy. For uh, was that six centimeter PR. So it was, it was, and then I was like super pumped about it, jumped off the pit and was like yelling and stuff. <laughs> and it was well, I mean, but that's, that's the thing though, is like, it's what we were talking about earlier is you were willing to forego the outcome to focus on the process. Mm-hmm. That day you made the choice, like I'm going to just solely focus on the process. I'm going to surrender to it and I'm going to surrender to the outcome and I'm going to just be willing this sounds crazy, but I like I'm willing to fail just to work on this. Like I'm willing, I'm gonna be okay. If, I'm willing to release that outcome of a good meet or making this bar or making that bar just to focus on the process. And then you focused on the process and you you were able to like push away those pressures of like, oh man, I want to go up to the pole, but I know that. Uh, this is what I did last week and I'm trying to work on that, you know, and that pressure was like, ah, I really want to, I really want to No, I'm not doing it this yeah. week. It's hard. It's hard. Not. And then in being completely consumed by the process, the outcome happened. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. so crazy how that works and everybody, a majority of everyone you know, has it backwards, you know, they're, they're like, okay, outcome focused first. And then if the process is, you know, happens, it happens, you know, mm-hmm. but that's where mature athletes come from, Mat- really, really mature. And more importantly, consistent athletes are able to make that connection with the process where they're okay with, you know, foregoing a good result, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. I, I tell Luke this all the time, whenever I work with him and I'll probably end up, especially after hearing this story, I'll probably end up telling you this all the time too, is commit to the miss. Okay. Yeah. If we got to miss the bar, then miss the bar, Mm -hmm. but you better not get off that pit and tell me that you didn't do what we were trying to do. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you get, if you make it and you come over to me and I know that you didn't do what we were trying to do, I will be I will not be happy with the make. Mm-hmm. I would rather see the miss. And and there are times, like there are times in championship meets that that becomes really hard to do. And especially as a coach, like in a championship meet, you know, like at a NCAAs or like at a state championship or at the, you know, US championships, it's like, okay, today's the day where we, you know, we're not willing to, you know, commit to the miss, mm-hmm. get over the freaking bar, <laughs> you know, don't yeah. touch the bar. But on those other, however many competitions you have throughout the year, like the more that you can commit to the miss and commit to, uh, the process more, the better off you're going to get. And sometimes there's been times with Luke's vaulting where, um, this may sound crazy, but where I've said, you have to commit to this. And if we have to know height, we have to know height. Dang. And it's like, athlete doesn't want to hear that. Yeah. They'd not want to hear that at all. 
I, you know, but are you really committed to it? Cause if you're really committed to it, you're willing to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really tough to do that without the guarantee of success on the end. Exactly. Too. But that is where it's found at. That's yeah. where that ability is found at is you can't, you can't gain all the advantages of being immersed in the process unless you fully surrender and let go of the outcome. And that's what's really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. And as a coach, like it's for me, it's hard for me to do. It's hard for me to like know that there's a, there might be a chance that what we're working on in this meet today could result in a no height. It's really hard for me to do that. Um, because there's, there's pride and there's ego in coaching too. You know, like all athletes, you know, they struggle with their pride and their ego. Like, I don't want to know height. Well, why do you not want to know height? Like, if you know that you're working on the right things and you know, you executed all the things you wanted to do, then what's wrong with the no height? Like, it all boils down to, well, I don't want to look like I suck. I don't want to look like an idiot, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like that's why that's, you know, and it's pride and ego. And, and there's also that same thing with coaching too, where in coaching, it's like, you know, your athlete, you know, no heights. And it's like, you know, you're just kind of sitting around there thinking to yourself, like these people think I suck as a coach, Mm. you know, but you you have to the only way to get to that spot where you truly make real lasting change is if you're willing to sacrifice all of it and and in sacrificing all of it you gain all of it mm. which is Dang. which is really crazy <laughs> it's really crazy <laughs> to think about but that it's what it is that goes that's everything in life though that's that's uh you know it's it's similar to like the risk to open up rise is I was halfway in. I was halfway in whenever I was operating at out of the high school at Plainfield South High School. You know, I was halfway in and and it could have been really good. Could have been really good. You know, we could have had some really good vaulters, could have kept our costs really low. We could have had a had a really big impact, you know. But we would not be able to have the full impact unless I was willing to take it that step further and risk it all. Mm -hmm. Risk my family's savings. Risk all of those things. But in, in risking it and in surrendering to it and just being like, I'm gonna do it, you gain it. You know, you gain what we have now and who knows where this is all going to go in the end. You know? yeah. So <laughs> jury's still out, knock on wood. Um, but that it's, it, you can take that lesson that, that I'm telling you about with pole vaulting and you can apply that to any area of your life. You can apply it to anything. Um, and it's, it's super, super important for people to understand that. So you jumped 72 which was really crazy because like whenever we had talked, you know, you had jumped 65 and, and I was like, man, 65 is a hell of a bar in college. Like, you know, usually for rise, we, we do have people reach out every once in a while. And this is actually probably beneficial to people who are listening to this is if you're getting out of college and you want to continue to pursue like a post-collegiate career, like 
like Trevor's pursuing right now, you know, and you go and you approach, um, I'm going to say some, let's just say rise or like, or like a club or something. And you want to be able to train there or like, I don't know, Mac vault or, or Texas express or somebody. AZPVA. AZPVA. Yeah. That's a great example. So you go there and you're like, Hey, I want to continue to pursue this. Like there's, there just is like a certain level that you kind of, you have to set standards. You know, we mm-hmm. can't, we can't have everybody come in here and train. And usually those standards have been, you know, you should be able to kind of qualify for the U S championships. And that usually is around like 560, but <laughs> in the era that you're growing up in, <laughs> like it's a little tougher, it's freaking crazy, dude. Dude, I remember I got into indoor USA's with a 540 one time. Dang, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's gotten so much better. Yeah, but um, and I remember just being like, okay, well, he's he's through that threshold, and like, I I really, I really like him as a person. I think it's going to be a good fit. And then you just popped that 572 and I was like, holy cow, that's crazy. <laughs> and then you went to USA's and tell us about that. Yeah, USA's was a lot of fun. Probably the most fun meet I've ever jumped in. Yeah. It was just just because, honestly, I could have no-heighted and I still would have had a great time. Just because it was probably the biggest meet that I jumped in at that point. I, I guess my whole life because I haven't yeah, been jumping sure. since then. <laughs> but, yeah. um, the biggest meet I've jumped in and... I'm jumping with all these guys that I've been watching pole vault since I started. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sam Kendricks, Chris Nielsen were there. Um, and it was just so fun to like talk to them and like be a part of that group mm-hmm. that it just was a great time. And starting height was 551, which is just highest of by far the highest I've ever come in. <laughs> you were wanting to just clear 50 in the meets yeah. like earlier in the year. Yeah. <laughs> and so then to start there was just insane. And right. I ended up clearing it on a third attempt, yeah, which was super fun. I was really happy to get over that. And that's all I wanted from the day. I was like, an absolutely perfect day would be jumping 551, just yeah. getting numbers on the scorecard instead of letters. Right. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I like that. And so um, I jumped 551, third attempt, and then got a 61 on a, on a first attempt too, which is pretty sweet. And I think I got eighth at the, at the meet, yeah. which was also pretty sweet. I was really happy about that. Yeah, that's insane, man. So what did you think about Eugene and the setup and all that? It's awesome. It's always awesome. It, it was a little different because I'd only been there for NCAA championships. Mm-hmm. And so like there wasn't like the Team 10 area and stuff for USA's. Where is that usually? It's, uh, where is it? West, like down where like the um, student athlete, or not student athlete, the athlete hospitality and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on the fields. Yeah. Down there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And so it was a little bit more open than it had been with... Uh, NCAA championships, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But I mean, it's an amazing place to jump. And I was a little disappointed to not be able to jump there because NCAs were at Texas this past year. Right. And so to make it to the USAs and be able to jump at Hayward again was pretty sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a really, really cool venue. And now you brought us all the way back basically to here, man. So what are your biggest fears jumping post collegiate? wasn't ready for that one it's a hard one um i think i think having a bad year is probably pretty scary um multiple no heights is scary Mm. um i want to 
jump at the caliber where I feel like I belong and where I feel like I should be jumping. And I don't know what that is, what mark or whatever that would be, but that is probably the scariest part is going to this next level where what I'm currently jumping is fine, Mm -hmm. but I want to be in that top tier. Mm -hmm. And so not being in that is going to be tough. Yeah. I feel like every year or every time, like from high school to college, it was fought my way to the top of college ranking or high school rankings. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm number one, my senior year. Let's go get to college, shot back down to the bottom. They're not the bottom, but right. Yeah. yeah. Not the top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and then I, in college trying to fight my way back up and feel like I'm in like the group of like the, the good guys, the best guys in the country. And, and, um, eventually like my, this past year, I kind of feel like I got there where I'm jumping well enough to like kind of be in that group. Mm -hmm. And now I'm out of college and it's shot right back down to the bottom. (laughs) And so, it's just well, you're not away. the bottom there, though. Like, I mean, 70, 72 is it's not the bottom. Like, you're you're at a really, I think personally, you're at a very good spot coming out of college. Like, oh, not all right, that many people. Like, it's not like there's fifty people coming out of college jumping five seventy two. That's true. You know, yeah. like there's there's not a ton of people. I mean, the the era that you guys that you're growing up in right now though is it is very difficult. Like there are you have to jump so high, you know, to be I guess a part of that group. See, yeah, my problem is is like that that's how I was too. Like I just wanted to just be accepted. Like mm-hmm. accepted like by that group this is the problem with that is you're the hard part about jumping after college is that i don't know if you're ever like really accepted like you're only the way that i felt is i was only as good as my last meet Cause it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I jumped, I jumped, you know, this high. Say I jumped, you know, 580. I jumped 580. I made it. Didn't make it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like. You got to keep doing it. Yeah. Because then the next week, if you jump a 560, which is still a pretty good bar, you don't feel like you're in the club. Yeah. Then the next week you do all right. I'm back in the club. I'm back in the club next week. So what, one of the things that I've been trying to work with Luke on and that we'll, you know, work together on is like just focusing on what you can control. Like you can't control the acceptance of other people. You know what I'm saying? Can't control if it's like, I want these people to like, like me and for me to be like, I want to be a part of, of of the group, you know, and things like that. You have to just focus on that process, you know, and you have to focus on like, what is it that I have to do? And and it can't be, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to like bag on your, uh, your, my fear, your fear, you know, (laughs) like I'm not trying to like put you down or anything, but what I'm trying to say is that you, you have to focus on, you know, more, 
like process oriented stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's, what's really, really difficult is I've, I've been working with Luke on letting go of that, like letting go of like the, you're going to have, you'll have agents and meet directors and all kinds of people tell you all kinds of different things every step of the way, you know? And there will be times where they will say no and they'll be like, no, you can't get into this meet or you can't do this. You can't do that. And and the, your ability to have that not affect you is what is going to be tied to your ability to succeed. Okay. You know, cause like every time that you come in that, that you get, you know, uh, you know, an unaccepted phone call, you know, okay. You know, you're, you're that initial reaction. It's like what we talked about earlier, that initial reaction. When you feel that headwind, what's your initial reaction? You know, being able to change that around to, oh, okay, I didn't get accepted on to the next. Mm-hmm. And how long are you, how long is that going to linger around in you? You know, yeah. that, that feeling, because one of my favorite quotes of all time is champions are not the people who never uh, fail, but they're the ones who get back on track the quickest, mm. you know, you're, and that's, that's going to be really, really important. I think over the next few years is just, just to be like tunnel vision on I'm Trevor Stevenson. This is what I do. This is my lane and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get, you know, to where I want to get to. And there's just like, a, I feel like when you jump after college, there's like kind of like traps that can like trap you, you know, like there's a social media trap that can grab you mm. like social media trap can grab you. Uh, you mean like seeing everybody jump really high? Yeah. And you're yeah. Not. Yeah. Okay. See, that can grab you, yeah. you know, and then you can start to, you know, be like, all right, well, I, you know, need to jump in Europe. I need to, I have to jump in Europe. If I don't jump in Europe, then I'm not a part of the club. what the heck man i want to be a part of the club it's like no you can you can do things you can do things different you really can you can do things different and you can be successful doing things different and we were talking about it the other day about how you know people just jump their brains out sometimes and i've talked with brad uh walker about this uh over the phone and and text messages and things like that about how if you continue to just push, 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 push this meat, that meat, this meat, that meat, this meat, that meat, and you don't remember what got you to that successful spot in the first place, which is your training, then you can just veer off, you know, and the, another trap is the opportunity trap, you know, well, I got this opportunity. And then you're at a fork in the road where it's like, okay, well, if I take this opportunity it's going to maybe be a little detrimental to my training and people get sucked into the opportunity trap. Well, I got a chance to jump here. And then they grab that opportunity and they push the training off a little bit. And then they get to the next opportunity and it's like, I'm going to grab that one too. And then they push their training off a little bit more. And then Hmm. if you keep going down that road, then you end up like, Oh dude, I'm slow. I'm weak. And I haven't had a consistent amount of training in six months, you know? And so that's another one of those traps that I think it's important to, you know, not fall into. But I'm not saying that I know everything about this because I'm still very young as a coach and and I, 
you know, but I just, I, I have the ability to reflect on kind of the traps that sucked me in too. And, and that was, that is what I hope that I can help, na- help you and Luke navigate through. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's definitely a big advantage having your knowledge and Luke's knowledge coming in here. Because if I was just training at, like if I was living at home and training at home, I would have, I wouldn't know anything right now. <laughs> right. Like just being here for two months and talking to you guys for just like intermittently, I like already know so much more than I would have. And like, I would have been pushing to get to Europe and jumping as much as I can and yeah. doing all this stuff that I probably shouldn't be doing. And it probably would have taken me, it'd probably take me like five years right. of mistakes to like finally figure out what I actually need to be doing. Right. And, and I'm not saying that going to Europe and jumping in Europe and, and, you know, the end, I think probably every pole vaulter's end goal is to be like the Chris Nelsons and Casey has been like that the last couple of few years, Sam, you know, like where it's like, oh man, they get to go and they get invited to all the best meets every, every year, you know, like that's kind of like those three are at like the pinnacle of what it's like to pole vault in the United States. And then, you know, you obviously, you know, Katie and Sandy and, and they're, you know, that's kind of where everybody's scratching and clawing to get to, you know, but you have to have a clearly defined goal. And one thing that's really helped me a lot with talking to Brad is that he, he prioritizes Katie's training. Like he's like, you know, I'll talk to him and he'll, he'll say, you know, like, ah, she's, you know, going through kind of a rough time. Like nobody knows about it. Everyone just thinks Katie's just like riding the waves just (laughs) all the way to the top every single time. But you get into the back end and you, you have her and Brad like coming up, constructing these well-orchestrated plans with well-orchestrated goals. And it's like, okay, here's my goal. If my goal is to win a world title, we're going to look at these opportunities a lot differently than if my goal is just kind of whimsical. Like my goal, like, like we're coming back to is to be a part of the club. (laughs) You could make a lot different decisions trying to be a part of the club than you would. If it's like my goal is to make a world team or to Mm -hmm. make an Olympic team, you know, you structure the way that you jump and your season and your training a lot differently around a specific goal like that than a, a a really random goal, like being a part of the club. Cause if you're just wanting to be like a part of the club, then that's fine. Like if that's what you want to pursue, then that's good but you would do it a lot differently. You'd be on the phone with a lot more meet directors. You'd really want to get in contact with an agent like really quickly because they're going to be able to, you know, help you facilitate getting into those meets. Mm -hmm. So then you can be a part of that. But if you're really dialed into your goal of making the world team, you're going to maybe prioritize your training more. You're going to prioritize, you know, things like that. So I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, like if it's coming out, but it makes sense in my head. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And another goal or another, I guess, fear that I have that kind of is at odds with that one is uh, money mm. and like the lack of money that I'm going to be making doing this mm-hmm. is going to be tough because that like, if you want to make more money vaulting, you have to jump high at a lot of meets. Mm-hmm. And so 
like if my goal is to make the world team at the end of the year or the like the Olympics, I guess this right. or this year, then I probably wouldn't be making a lot of money this year. I'd be going to high quality meets and jumping the best I can a few times. Right. Whereas if I want to try to make some money, I'll be jumping at as many meets as possible that have the best prize money, even if they're in terrible weather in a terrible place with awful competition. That's a really, really good point. And so that was like, whenever I first started Rise, like that was one of my big things that I wanted to check off is I had to work full-time job. I was a teacher and I, and it was a miserable experience trying to vault and pursue my pole vaulting dreams as an athlete because I had to work, you know, I had to wake up and train at five in the morning, go to work all day teaching PE and then get in my car and drive to, you know, do the rest of my workout after school and then come home and hang out with my wife for like two minutes and then go to bed, (laughs) you know? And so what I really wanted to do was I wanted to structure the way that we did rise where it was like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take these people who are good people, not douchebags, uh, <laughs> that, that want to be a part of what we're doing and we could fund them and give them a salary so that that could take care of some of the living expenses because, and then we're still working on the other part, which is how does he, how do we get Trevor to meets, you know? Mm -hmm. So hopefully, so like now you have like a platform where it's like, okay, well I can buy food, you know, I can help with my part of the rent. I can, you know, put gas in my car. I can do those things. Like those basic necessities have to be taken care of in a post-collegiate vaulters career. And you've given me that, you've given me that security blanket with, have, have like hired me on here and I can't thank you enough for that. Like it's given me the, the ability to focus on pole vaulting outside of money where I can just do what I like try to make a world team or jump the highest I can and not have to go to all those smaller meets just to make some money. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And we, we, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial package too. And that's why it works out well because it's a big win for rise. It's a big win for you, but Could you imagine, you know, so then we're trying to work on, okay, so you have your basic necessities and now how are we going to get you to the meets? Okay. Like the, the salary will take care of the, like the majority of the basic necessities, right? I mean, you're not going to be driving a Lamborghini, but like (laughs) you'll be able to get to and from your workout and you'll be able to focus on your workout because of the lax uh schedule work schedule and things like that you'll be able to work out at a proper time during the day Mm -hmm. like all of those things but then there's the part of the financial piece where okay we got that taken care of but how are we going to get trevor to meets like how are we going to get him to be able to go and vault in good weather like, how are we going to get him to USA's? Like, the thing is, like, you got to pay your own way to USA's, which I think is insane. Um, but how do we cross that bridge? Because could you imagine if you, not only would you be worried about that, but then it's like, okay, well, how am I going to make ends meet just in my personal life? Yeah. And then that's when you could get sucked into the trap that you were talking about earlier. And I don't think it's a trap because some people just enjoy doing this, but where it's like, okay, what I wanted to do was I wanted to make it to where you had a choice, where you had a choice in the matter. I want to go to Europe and jump. Not I have to go to Europe and jump. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because some people are just kicking and scratching, trying to make ends meet. It's like, I have to go to Europe and jump because I have to make enough money to be able to pay for my personal life. And then I also have to make enough money to like get to the different meets that I want to do to pursue my goal. So there still is some definite work that we have to do in the United States to be able to get the funding to get the athletes to the meets. But I wanted, I wanted there to be a choice in the matter where if you want to go to Europe and you want to jump and it makes sense in your training and we collaborate on it and think like, okay, yeah, your training will be able to be held together and you can go on this really cool, fun trip to Europe and make a little bit of money, then that's great. But I want it to not have to happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's whenever it gets real, real dicey where it's like, man, I don't really have a choice in the matter. Like I need to pay rent this weekend. Yeah. And I feel like that's when you start cutting corners and like taking it away from your training where you're going to work around making it to Europe instead of like, and that'll be probably the less ideal route. Like for, for example, if we go to Europe, um, it's going to be the less ideal route because of all the travel and like how much time I'm going to be there for and I'm not going to have the same training facilities that I'll have if I just stay here and go to a meet somewhere in the United States. Right. Right. And I think we ran into, Luke and I ran into that issue. We ran into that issue for the last couple of years where, I don't know, I think every elite athlete just goes through a decision where it's like, am I going here because it's going to help push me to accomplish my goal or am I going here for the life experience? Mm-hmm. And that's where the decision's difficult because me personally, like thinking about you as a human, I would be like, you should go and experience that, man. Like, and personally, like for you, you might be like, yeah, like I want to go and experience these, this meet, but it's hard because it's like, all right, well, we have this goal here that we're working towards. So you're going to probably take a little bit of energy away from that goal in order to do this life experience. And I think the, the vaulters in my generation that I grew up vaulting with, I'm not saying everybody, but there were a lot of pole vaulters in my generation that just were going to these meets because they wanted the experience of traveling around the world and, you know, going, jumping in meets and partying afterwards and doing all that. And I remember, I think it was, it might've been Jeff Hartwig that told me, I was talking with him one night and he was like, I think a lot of the people right now, the reason we're in the hole that we're in is because people are after the party. They're not after jumping better like Hmm. they don't have clearly defined i'm here solely because i have a goal that i want to accomplish a lot of the people were there solely because they wanted the life experience and they wanted the party afterwards you know so that that always blows my mind when i hear about stuff like that yeah because i always thought that i thought that coming into college and then coming out of college now i thought the same thing where i like get to the next level and it's like, oh, everybody's going to be serious now. Like everybody's going to be focused and <laughs> trying to get like wherever they need to go and getting better is like the main, like the priority. Right. And I thought that coming into college and it's like, that's not how college is. <laughs> almost, no. nobody, almost nobody cares about it in college. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, 
and then coming out of it, I'm sure that I haven't experienced it yet, but I'm sure that there's a lot less of that, but there's, it's, I was surprised to even know that that's even still a thing now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's still a thing. I mean, and that was what was really eye opening to me too. That same thing was whenever I, you know, got to go to that meet, like that big meet, like you just experienced this last summer, the USA is where you got to be around the people that you grew up watching and you feel like you kind of made it. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm one of those guys right now. I'm on the field with them and I'm pole vaulting and competing with them. And then the meet's over and you're like sitting, I'm not, you know, calling anybody out, but like, uh, this is years, 10 some years ago, but I remember being like with another person who had just no heighted and they're like, Hey, let's get it going, baby. We're going out tonight. <laughs> I'm like what? Okay. Like it, it was just very eye opening. Like you just no heighted. And I, I mean, I just know how to do, but, <laughs> but I was like, and what I did was I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> you know, we're done. We both know how to, let's go celebrate that. And, and I think it's, I don't know, it's, there's nothing wrong with the party, nothing wrong with the party because you have to let go and you have to enjoy yourself and live your life. Um, but I think that your motivation needs to be, you know, your goals, what are your goals and what, what are the decisions you're making? How are those pushing you towards that goal? Mm -hmm. You know, well, we've been going for like two hours. I do have a, a couple or one last hard question. What are your biggest weaknesses right now in okay. the vault? Just, just in my, like in the vault, mentally, physically, just whatever. Okay. Just um, two of them. I think that with technique, my biggest weakness is probably my plant. I think I'm taking off too far inside and I'm not comfortable with taking off out. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really want to fix because in it doesn't, I actually don't take off very far out in meets or I, I don't have like an out step usually in meets, which would be an on step for anybody else. But yeah. <laughs> out is on. <laughs> yeah. But. I think that that would help me with my consistency a lot and it'd probably help me like move my grip up. And we've talked about, yeah, that's one of the things we want to work on. But I think that that's been my problem for a long time and it's slowly, like slowly, slowly ooched out mm -hmm. to where like I was taken off. I jumped when I jumped, uh, 533, I jumped a PR at 533, um, like my junior year, I think I took off on a 16 foot pole, took off at 11, no, it took off at 10 six goodness gracious <laughs> lucky you still have your arm and i was gripping like 15 10 on a 16 foot pole oh my god it was it was real bad like the pole hit the box way before my left foot touched the ground to take off and it was it was a nice jump though i lined it up really well you made that jump <laughs> yeah that pr on that jump <laughs> holy cow kids don't listen to that <laughs> don't try to do so that that was real bad um, wow and it's, it's come out to 12 now, so I'm usually taking off around 12. But yeah, so that's my, I think, one of my technical weaknesses is that mm -hmm. mental weakness, I think mm, that's tougher because it's not as concrete. I think that I probably take my losses harder than I should. Um, 
because I've, I've worked a lot on like my mentality over the years. Like in high school, my mom gave me a mind gym, the book to read. Mm -hmm. And I like, it's like my Bible. I keep it with me. Like I bring it to a lot of the meets I go to and read a couple of chapters before I jump and stuff. So I'm making sure that I'm mentally there. But I think that being as in to pole vault as I am, it makes it tougher to deal with bad meets. And so, like I said, when I jumped, just like I had the, a little bit of a rough start to indoor season this past year, I was like really down on myself about it. And it's tough for me to not do that because then I feel like I don't care as much about pole vault. Like if I have a bad meet and I'm like, I just shrug it off, then it feels like I should be upset about it because mm -hmm. I want to be good. And I think finding, working on finding some middle ground there where I... I'm upset about it and I learned from it, but I don't let it weigh me down is where I need to try to end up. Ironically, I don't think that you're ever going to run into the problem where you don't care enough. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. There's two types of people, you know, in this world really people who are very driven and who are just, they pursue goals relentlessly. And those people will have the opposite problem as, as the other group, which are lazy. People who are driven need to learn how to not care. Yeah. They need to learn how to not work out so hard. They need to learn how <laughs> to not think about pole vaulting. And if, and if they learn how to do that, they enable themselves. They like take the governor off their progress because, and then they can be successful. But the problem is, is that what you're doing whenever you do that is you're, you're essentially doubling your workload, maybe more, maybe three Xing your workload because you just went through a bad meet, right? You just went through a bad meet. You had a bad day and you felt it. You mm -hmm. felt that bad day. And then after that meet, you have the choice of not caring or when I say not caring, you'll always care. Like you don't, but you don't have to, like try to not care. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like now you just took that bad meat and you woke up with it the next day. And now you went through another day of that bad meat. Mm. And then you woke up the next day with that bad meat and you went through that bad meat again. You know what I'm saying? And so then you're, you mentally become extremely exhausted. Yeah. You know, you just, it gets so exhausting because you're constantly, you know, reliving it in your head. And I don't think that you're going to ever run into the problem of undertraining. I don't think you're ever going to run into the problem of not caring. So that means that you don't have to worry about that. You're always going <laughs> to care. It's just your default state. Yeah. Your default state is caring. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You care about it. You want to work hard. You're driven. So you can let go of that and just be like, 
And I tell Luke this, this is like kind of some of the same psychology that I use with Luke. You need to learn how to not care. Mm -hmm. You got to learn how to not care. Because if you care as much as you do and you carry that with you for the rest of your career, you're going to fizzle out. Yeah. You're just going to fizzle out and you're going to quit, you know? And that is something that we definitely are going to work on and that I've worked on with Luke a lot is just you have to learn how to not care as much. And then just like we talked about earlier, as soon as you relinquish that, then you just, that's your, that's your road to getting better. Yeah. I'm going to give another answer to that because I think that my answer was fine. But I think it was a little bit of a cop out because okay. it's like a job interview. Like, what are your weaknesses? Oh, well, I work too hard and I care, <laughs> I care too much. Right. Those are my weaknesses. <laughs> like, That's um, hilarious. I think uh, one of my actual, like, I think I need to get better at jumping into a headwind. Mm. And that's something that I've been working on because I can deal with a lot of um, like weird things happening and curveballs and stuff. But a headwind for some reason just always gives me anxiety when I think about it. And yeah. And so that's one thing that for sure I, I want to get like more practice with and like try to get mentally better at is jumping into a headwind. But yeah. That's, yeah. That's I a, think, yeah, I think that that's, that's a very, yeah, that's a specific thing. And that's, uh, that's really, that's, it's not an easy thing to overcome, man. It's that initial reaction and, and, and having a coach and, you know, that understands, the proper adjustments to make mm-hmm. and not like wrapping your head around like I have to grip this high to jump this high. I have to be on this pole to jump this high. If you re- if you let go of that and you just jump the way that you're jumping on whatever pole the weather gives you allows you to get to, then you kind of you don't have that barrier of like, well, I'm on this pole, so I'm not going to be able to PR today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And being able to let go of that's really, really important as yeah, well. Yeah, that was one thing that I, w- I was working on this year also was trying to jump higher on smaller poles because the biggest pole that I jumped on, the one at Big Tens that I jumped 549 on was a 5-meter 13-0. Yeah, 5-meter 13-0. And then over the summer, I jumped at the Grand Haven Beach Vault and I jumped 550, so one centimeter higher, on a 5-meter 14.4. Oh, my gosh. And so it was 1.4 flex softer. Wow. And I jumped a centimeter higher on it. Yeah, see? And so it's just trusting it and, like, really trying to line up trying to line up the invert and just, like, learning that you don't need to be on your biggest pole to jump your highest. Yeah, it's just get to the pole that that facility and that weather and that day is going to give you, mm-hmm. you know, and then just competing your heart out on that one you know and believing in it you got to really believe in it and if you have any doubt in it that's whenever things can start to go sideways yeah last question is what do you think your biggest strength is i'm a savage that's that's (laughs) um biggest strength i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna do a technical i think my my biggest strength in my vault is my, I don't know, my invert maybe? I don't know. My invert's not that great. I want to say my run because I feel like I'm a good runner, yeah. but my run's not that great either. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to final answer. I think that my invert, not my turn, like my feet split a little bit when I invert. And so I think timing up the pole, 
that's that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I, I I've told you that before. Yeah, too. yeah. And you I thought about it, that, it and I was like, yeah, that's right. Like I feel like I I kind of always get that. Like I invert at the right time where I get the a good pop off the pole. I think that's probably my strong the strongest part of my vault. That's really good thing to have because that's really hard to teach. That's like a superpower. Like okay. people who can just time poles up, just figure out a way to time it up. That's that's really really a good skill to have. That's really good to hear because I, I I don't know if it was on your podcast or like from an older episode or something, but I heard somewhere that like there's like you you see like all the best pole vaulters and they just kind of have like a like they just get they get the pole vault like if they all it all everything they do in the vault it works where they time it up right and they can get the most out of the top of the pole yep. and i was and i was thinking i was like shoot yeah, can i can i do that and they all get to different get there in different ways mm-hmm. you know all of them just get to that different spot and catch that pole different in some you know double leg swing some uh tuck up and shoot mm-hmm. you know some stay nice and long you know but they all have figured out a way to time up that pole yeah you know that's the biggest thing and i think a mental strength would be i maybe like i just i feel like i'm like pretty determined like i just kind of am good at staying focused and like having the goal that i'm working towards and just work towards it every day yeah and that was actually one quick thing i wanted to say yeah. earlier was when i when i had that string of bad meets indoors i it was easy after that first bad meet to get back to practice on monday and be like fired up and ready to go and like have a little bit more adrenaline be like all right i'm going hard today like i gotta get better and then have bad meet week the week after that and it was still not hard to get fired up for that monday practice but it was harder than the week before right because i was like all right i'm fired up i'm ready to go i'm gonna get better but i'm not getting better yet yeah and then (laughs) I had another bad meet and it was like, okay, I still got to work hard. I got to get, I got to push myself today, but I don't know if what I'm doing is working. You're like, everything's fine, Trevor. (laughs) Everything's okay. You're doing great. (laughs) Yeah. And so being able to push through those times, I feel like is where, where I think I am a little bit stronger. Yeah. That's probably one of my strengths. For sure, man. All right, dude. Two hours, over two hours. That's a long time. Yeah, one quick. Um, Yeah, well, thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Of course. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. It's the One More Jump Podcast. See you guys later.